The first reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 to 9. <clears throat> oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when the fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and made us waste away because of our sins. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. O look upon us as we pray, for we are all your people. Then the Gospel reading from um, John, verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. The Word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to, to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. And then the third reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 to 10. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. This is the word of the Lord.
Good morning, everyone. Good, morning. Good to be in the house of the Lord today and uh, worship Him. Hold His name high. In the reading that uh, Linda read to us, we have a section in verse 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay, and it goes on to say, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. Well, we have this treasure. We have this treasure. We can see what God is like by looking at Jesus. Jesus' life sheds light on everything. The grandeur, majesty, and glory God himself, the height, length, breadth, depth of his love for us, a love that was willing to suffer and die for our sins and our transgressions, a wisdom and beauty beyond all knowing. Uh, John's gospel, the whole gospel, describes at least 21 unique facets of Christ's person and his work goes like this. He's the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Divine Teacher, the Soul Winner, the Great Physician, the Bread of Life, the Water of Life, the Defender of the Weak, the Light of the World, the Good Shepherd, the Prince of Life, the King, the Comforter and Counselor, the True Vine, the giver of the spirit, the great intercessor, the model sufferer, the uplifted saviour, the conqueror of death, and the restorer of the penitent. This is revealed. This Jesus, this treasure of priceless worth, is the treasure we have. What is your heart's response to all this? Just now, we've been singing, and now we've heard these things. How do you respond? His Spirit is surely the one who draws us to praise and serve and worship and adore Him, Jesus. Paul describes this treasure as the light of the knowledge of God in the face of Christ. We see Jesus, we see God. We who are followers of Jesus and know this life in us are really so privileged to have this treasure, knowing and being known by God himself. We have this treasure. We have this treasure. His life. The living water. The bright light. The living light. The source of all life. We have this treasure. Uh, in jars of clay. Right? <laughs> That's where it goes. We also are on a journey of transformation 
of becoming like Jesus. And in this passage, this process is, is likened to, a, to clay becoming a pot. What kind of process does clay have to go through to become a useful pot? Well, in brief, I think we've already looked at uh, a few weeks back, preparation. I talked at some length about this. Just to recap in brief, remember, this process involves time, cleansing, breaking, crushing, sieving, getting all the dirt out, getting all the sticks and bits and pieces, kneading, squashing, bringing together all the bits and pieces and making it into a homogeneous lump of clay. Sort of a bit like us, eh? Homogeneous bunch of all kinds of people coming together at St. John's. And the Lord is at work. In short, this essential step takes time and quite a lot of pain from the point of view of the clay, right? Pushed into places that perhaps they don't want to go. But uh, together, molded and made and prepared. Trust in the purposes of the potter is essential. I should add that uh, if this clay is not properly processed, um, it uh, can explode in the kiln when it is with other pots being fired and wreck other pots around them. So the, the processing is essential. As I said, it's a vital step. Next, shaping. Oh, I can wax pretty eloquent about shaping. And I think you've also seen some pretty dramatic uh, situations where the potter gets hold of the clay and shapes and makes it into a pot. Surprising, dramatic, quite amazing. This is where the potter shows whether he knows what he is doing or not. Hand shaping the spinning lump of clay according to the shape decided by the potter. The process is often dramatic and surprising to us, yes. The potter is, has full control. The clay cannot question what the potter is doing, even though it may try. What are you, what are you doing? You know? It hurts. Ow! The potter still has to keep going. And the clay must respond, must submit to the potter's plans. He is the master potter. We, his people, are the clay. Jeremiah 18, verse 6. I think you remember we talked about that. Then comes drying. Ooh. <laughs> drying. This step involves waiting for the right time. Can't be hurried. Or the pot could crack. A damp, dark room is often used for this. And from the point of view of the pot, it can seem you've been forgotten in the dark corner. Take heart. The potter knows what he's doing. Don't we hear in the scriptures, wait on the Lord. He has his time. 
And then comes that uh, place we don't often talk about, but here we go. Transformation by fire. This involves temperatures above 1,000 degrees Celsius for anything up from 8 to 12 hours or so in the kiln, in the fire. The clay vessel will be transformed into pottery forever. It can never return to clay again once it's been through the fire. This kind of fire is both cleansing and transformative. Um, you know, uh, I'm just reminded where John says when he first, when he saw Jesus, what did he say? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, I'm sure there are lots of things that we can think about that. Um, but this fire is transformative. It makes us, grows us from within and from without. Paul says in verse 5 of the passage, we don't preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. A fired and glazed pot can hold water and other substances. Fired pottery from thousands of years ago has been excavated by archaeologists and we learn all kinds of things about the culture and so on. A, a, a fired pot is a, a, a work of art and also gives us a lot of information. But as we say, it's not the pot that's so important. We don't, we don't preach ourselves. That's what the, the pot likes to do, I suppose. Are you anything like that? <laughs> we, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. That's who we are, every one of us who knows and loves the Lord. We are his servants. He was very aware of his own humanity, Paul was, and the similarity to an unadorned clay pot. He knew what he came from, and he continually reminded his readers and us that we don't do things in our own strength because the reality is we are weak and fragile like clay. We have strength, we have abilities, we have things that... Um, he, we can do, but we are weak, and God is strong. He's the one who is in us. His Spirit possesses us, fills us, and He is the one who will work. God said, let light shine out of darkness. Um, I'm going to light something here because the electricity is just gone, right? Let light shine out of darkness. I'm just going to put this here. We'll talk about it.
He made his light shine in our hearts to give us, that's you and me, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. In whose face? In Jesus' face. In the face of Jesus. In him we know that living light. I'd like to share a bit of our, of Kathy and my story. Um, that I think will illustrate something of our own weakness and God's amazing power at work in the lives of others and our lives as well. God called us to uh, cross-cultural mission and we've worked for over 40 years in a number of countries. One of the places we went to for eight years was living among the Bara people. They were in darkness. They didn't know the Lord Jesus as Savior and Lord, and we had the privilege of going to live among them. Um, but guess what? <laughs> we had to learn the language. We had to know, get to know them and share the gospel with them. We were often embarrassed or in tears in the process. One of the instances that happened uh, was that uh, for the first time, uh, we visited the village. The children were in the trees picking mangoes while we walked past and they kept very quiet and then they went running to their parents terrified of us. Later, a large delegation of adults and parents and so on came to visit the family we were staying with and spoke to us. They wanted to know who we were, uh, who, who we thought we were, and why we were there. They had heard that the only reason we had come was to kill their children and eat their livers. Well, thankfully, some of the church uh, leaders could explain that this wasn't our purpose, no, no, and that we actually would like to come and uh, stay in their village and learn the language and uh, come become friends. And we had a message to tell. But first of, all, first of all, of course, we had to learn the language to be able to communicate, right? And they accepted us and even gave us a place to build a house in their village. And they actually built it for us. And uh, you, you'll be amazed at the, the first day that Kath and I woke up in our little room there were a whole bunch of borough kids at the end of the bed sort of saying, uh, are you still asleep? You know, we've been out in the field quite a bit already. <laughs> so we kind of, right from early morning waking up, we had, a, we had a problem. And then we were there for a few months, and, our children, uh, and our, uh, we were told by, by the adults and everyone, hey, our children speak better than you. You know, and they're just small. You've been here long enough. Is that the best you can do? <laughs> so, we had to continue on our journey. One day, Kath was pounding rice um, and uh, with the ladies, and people watched what she was doing and shook their heads. Oh, my goodness. Uh, asked her, what did your mother teach you? you know, <laughs> or didn't teach you? Um, they didn't seem to think that reading and writing were uh, especially helpful skills at all. We would sit under a tree and share the gospel as best we could in their language. I remember my neighbor interrupting me one day uh, with, 
What Brian is trying to say is, whoop, and he said it so well, uh, you know, I understood most of what he said. So uh, I could give you many more examples, perhaps to get the idea. Um, it was a humbling experience. Could I say we felt like clay in the hands of the potter? Paul described the process that I've just been sharing with you as being hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, struck down, always carrying around in our body the death of Jesus. These words became very real to us. Over the years, our team that joined us uh, in this particular village in Madagascar learned to cross the divides that uh, came between us. We learned an awful lot more about doing that. And here at, at uh, St. John's, you know, the next one that we're coming up with, uh, the subject we're dealing with is crossing divides, where there are differences, things we have to learn about each other, know what the other person, where the other person is coming from and how we are to respond to them. That was part of our journey, part of our life. It's what we all are committed to and need to do. And we'll learn more about that on Wednesday or whenever you meet during this week. There are many things that can seem perplexing and confusing until we learn more about each other. Well, for us, this meant living close to others in the same kind of houses. Mud, house, mud houses, no running water, no electricity, no cell phones. Oh. And we had to learn not only their language, but we shared most of the day with our neighbors, learning how to plant rice, grow rice, uh, thresh rice, you know, uh, harvest it, and then also uh, about uh, looking after cattle, uh, yes, there are skills there as well, <laughs> and we had to learn them because we were working with them, living with them, being with them. We also, by the way, got many uh, of their sicknesses such as malaria, typhoid, balatia, yardia, amoeba. I mentioned these as that was part of the journey, despite our best efforts to avoid sickness and uh, suffering. We still got those things. And you know, something happened. It made us part of who they were, because they were going through all of these things in their own village, in their own communities. And so through sickness, we became bara. <laughs> we became part of that particular village. We loved their children. And they shared their hearts and lives with us. Once they even offered me a spare wife when Kathy had to come to Cape Town to, uh, for her mother's funeral. I hasten to add, I declined. Um, they, they said, uh, I said, uh, it's not our custom. So they said, oh, strange customs you have. Anyway, they became dear, dear friends. In spite of our weaknesses and shortcomings, God worked powerfully in people's lives. I love this quote by uh, Adam Ramsey. The good news is that we don't need to be impressive or spectacular 
for God to do a great thing through us. We just need a poverty of spirit that makes space for him to show off what only he can do. Jesus doesn't want our strength. He wants to give us his. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. Well, it was a thrill to be part of a Barra church. The loneliness, misunderstanding, separation from our adult children and other sufferings paled into insignificance. The day we stood in the hot sun by a muddy river and baptized the first believers in that community. We saw something of the glory of God in their lives that day. One by one, these men and women gave testimony to the light they had received. Before I was a Christian, I was afraid of the evil spirits all the time. Now that I believe in Jesus, when the spirits trouble me, I tell them, in the name of Jesus, leave me alone. And you know what? They do. Another man said, you've seen my life. You have seen that I stole cows and killed people and spent time in prison. I was a good bara, a good bara brave. Watch my life. Now I've received Jesus. Now I know Jesus. Now I'm following him. Watch me. And you know, there was a remarkable difference in the way he lived because of what Jesus did in his life. Isn't that true for you and me? We can share that, as he did. Well, so what does this mean for us here at St. John's as followers of Jesus Christ? Well, it's the same for Christians everywhere, anywhere. We are weak, he is strong. His is the light, we are the vessels. We have the joy of being that vessel. Uh, many of us took some clay uh, some time ago when I talked about the extensive process involved in preparation of the clay. Maybe some of you brought it back. You okay? You listened. Good. That's wonderful. Who who's got some clay? <laughs> well done. Well done. Okay. Now one or two people have actually uh, spent time relating to that clay, and uh, one or two have actually made something. I've got them here on the on the. Uh, here's at least one, a little a little bowl. They had an experience of relating to clay. It's soft, it's malleable. You make it, but it also dries. It becomes firm and strong. And uh, I'm, I, anybody else made something? You did. Good for you. <laughs> okay. So you know what it, what it feels like, yes? And as we put it here, um, I think you, you remember I started this, this pot, showed it to you like this before. Well, I added a few pieces and so on and so on. And I was, uh, you know, if any of you have some more clay to bring, I can continue the process of making this pot. 
Right now, it's what they call leather hard. And it can still have designs put on it and so forth. But it's all the work of working with the clay. In, in different kinds of uh, hardness as it dries, and then at a place where it's, it can be um, designed, put on it, and so forth. Uh, but eventually it becomes dry, and it sits there until it is bone dry, ready for the kiln, ready for the fire. I'll just put it here. I'd like to ask that we just watch the video. Um, oh, we can't, can we? Oh, rats. Anyway, there was a video going on. Just imagine it, just imagine it okay? It goes like this. Um, the clay is taken hold of by the potter, put on the wheel, and the wheel is spinning. He, he what they call centers the clay, puts his hands on every side, and make sure that it's all going in an in a absolute centered piece of clay. So that when you see the wheel turning, it doesn't look as if the pot is turning because it's still, because it's centered in the hands of the potter. And then you open it up. And just like your friends and mine, God himself puts his hand on us and opens us up. And then comes the next stage where the walls are lifted up. Hand inside, hand outside. And he lifts up that clay. And that's the dramatic bit that you see forming when you see a potter at work on his wheel. And then he, he gives it a, a sort of a base, puts a bit of a belly on it, gives it a neck. And then you've got the lip. Not like these lips, but, you know, a lip for the, for the pot. And then he finishes it off with uh, a piece of uh, leather to make it absolutely smooth on the edges. Some of you have done pottery? Yeah, okay, one or two. <laughs> so you know what that process is. And the, the water uh, makes it smooth and uh, can, can, the, the hands of the potter can uh, flow over the clay as it spins and shapes it and turns it inside and outside. Um, I don't know if about you, but I've had that experience in my own life. God at work, God the master potter, shaping and making me through all kinds of pressures that he brings into my life to form me, to shape me, to make me according to his purposes. Okay, but we did say that it's not all about the pot, didn't we? In the hands of the master potter, a pot is made beautifully fit for purpose. In the case of a mug, obviously the purpose is for hot beverage, tea or coffee or whatever. In the case of a candle lantern, the purpose is to let the light shine. Very helpful in this time when load shedding occurs and so on. In verse 7 of our reading, the purpose of the vessel spoken about is to show the treasure. Huh? Not so much to display the pot, but enable the light to shine. The beauty of the treasure is to be displayed. 
by that pot. Paul said, We do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about his spirit working in and through us to do what he wants us to do. What he wants to do. We do need to take note of the fact, even though Paul says we are hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted and struck down, he goes on to say, we are not crushed, not in despair, not abandoned, not destroyed. And the life of Jesus is revealed in our bodies. Let's take a moment to take it all in. Think about it. It's easy to remember our struggles, our differences, our pain, our persecution, and so on. We can't pretend they don't happen or that they don't hurt. We ourselves felt a bit like our first five years in Madagascar was, as Kathy said, a bit like labor pains of childbirth. Painful. But not the whole story. And not the end of the story. You forget the pain when the baby comes. Well, so I'm told. One commentator on verses uh, 8 to 10 puts it like this. Quote, We are sore pressed at every point, but not hemmed in. There are all kinds of pressures on us, but we are never in so tight a corner that there is no way out. We are persecuted by men, but never abandoned by God. One of the most notable things about martyrs has always been that midst their sorest times, they had their sweetest times with Christ. As the psalmist wrote in Psalm 27 verse 1, when my mother and father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Nothing can alter the loyalty and faithfulness of God. We are at our wit's end, but never at our hope's end. There are times when we as Christians don't know what's to be done. But even at such times, we can never doubt that something can be done. There are times when we can't see where life is going. But we can never doubt that it is going somewhere. There is a time when we have to learn the hardest lesson of all. We have to learn to accept what we can't understand. There are times when things happen that we can't understand, but we can still say, God, you are love. I build my faith on that. We are knocked down, but not knocked out. The supreme characteristic of the Christian is not that he or she does not fall, but that every time they rise again. It's not that we are never beaten but that we are never ultimately defeated. We may lose a battle, 
but we know that in the end, we can't ever lose the campaign. End of quotes. Sometimes in our lives, we are caused to question, where is my treasure? I have this experience, and maybe you have too at times, when things have been taken away, and I realized that I was putting my trust in my own strength, my own reputation, and things other than Jesus himself. When my world was shaken, I had to take stock and question, where is my treasure? Who is my treasure? We're reminded where our treasure is. There is our heart also. Where is your heart? Are we going to trust the Lord Jesus to do what he says he'll do? By his spirit in our lives. Just think about that.